All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 43 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, alongside uh, Frank Saravalli, uh, still celebrating uh, the United States uh, big day uh, with his uh, cool shirt that he's got going. And we are coming to you live from the woodjerseys.com studio. You'll see my Boston Bruins jersey. You see Frank's and you could see the intricacy that it has. You'll see that on the Boston one as well up close with Toronto cuts in. It's nice. It's sleek. Uh, they, they keep adding more teams all the time. It's an NHL licensed product. It's fantastic. And uh, you can get yours at woodjerseys.com as we welcome in Frank Saravalli. Frankie, how you doing? I'm good. Hey, look, you only get like one or two days a year to wear this shirt. So you got to take advantage. Why not bad? I love it. I mean, if you're wearing it any other day of the year, you're just kind of a weirdo. <laughs> so you got yes. the fireworks, the American yeah. flag, like July 4th. Today was the observed fifth. Perfect. Yes. Um, I get, we have to start with the somber situation, uh, you know, involving in a, in a way, of course, uh, the, the uh, 4th of July celebrations and, and Columbus, uh, you know, losing a young player. Yeah, Mattis Kivlenics, uh, just really sad news, uh, dying as a result of a fireworks accident overnight uh, on the 4th of July. And and just a shock, uh, you see the tweet from Yarmo Kekalainen, their, their general manager. Life is fragile. 
a perfect reminder for everyone. Um, you know, this is, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, you look at Kiv Lennox, uh, his nickname, Kivy, uh, you know, he's a guy that we're going to talk expansion draft with, uh, Ryan Clark later in the episode. He, Kiv Lennox actually played a pretty big role in, in Columbus and their expansion draft plans moving forward, because I think he's one of those guys that as they've shopped their two goalies in yes. Corpus Allo and Merz Lincoln's that, they were hoping that Kiv Lennox could be one of those guys that steps up to be part of their tandem next season. And, you know, he just shut out Canada at the world championship not too long ago. And, and a guy that, you know, is clearly on the rise and uh, just heartbreaking news. And to see the reaction from his teammates uh, that reached out on social media and elsewhere, just really, really sad. Yeah. It's uh, very, very disappointing. And uh, Frank, the uh, Montreal Canadiens, in dramatic fashion, uh, last night. Uh, for the, Shea Weber, when he takes the double minor with whatever, less than a minute to go, most people think, oh, Tampa Bay's best power play. Now they're going to win it in overtime. A game hasn't been decided, you know, in, in overtime in, in a long time uh, when it comes to the Stanley Cup finals. They kill it off, and then Josh Anderson wins. And, you know, a, a stay of execution really for Montreal. They're not winning four in a row. Sorry, Habs fans. It's not happening, but uh, they gave their their fan base, you know, a few extra days to, to stay in the, in the mix. And because of the expansion draft, Frank, I think it just delays the inevitable. I think Tampa Bay is going to be a, a player. But, you know, did you see anything that would make you believe that somehow Montreal could stretch this to get back into Montreal? I mean, certainly not in the start of the game. I mean, you know, you're thinking, okay, Montreal is going to come out like gangbusters here trying to keep their season alive. And they, you know, had what, two shots through the first 12, 14 minutes of the game. And they actually ended up scoring on one of them uh, to take their first lead of the series. You know, I kind of had a feeling that this game was going to go this way. Uh, and part of that's just because, not at all what the Tampa mayor said of like, Hey, you know, take a little, take your foot off the gas here and come back and win it in Tampa. <laughs> I love it. I, I do really think there was a part of the lightning. They'll never say this publicly. Anytime the Stanley cups in the building, you always want a chance to win it. And I think there's also an exclamation point on the idea of winning in a sweep, but after all that they went through in the bubble and not having had a chance to do it around friends and family, family not being allowed to cross and be in the building in Montreal, not part of the special exemption. I just, it, it almost felt right that it, you know, this, this would end or at least have a chance to end in Tampa. And now of course you're going to have that on Wednesday night. And oh man, it's uh what a scene that would be for that team and, and those fans to, to finally get a chance to celebrate in authentic fashion. Yeah, I agree with you that they'll never admit it. And they didn't necessarily play that way either because, you know, they were down two to one. They tied it um, late, you know, and that, then again, that, uh, that Johnson maroon line scores another big goal uh, for them. And, you know, Tampa Bay's, you know, their top guys kind of held off the score sheet. So the, the chance of that happening for a second straight game, like every arrow is pointing to Tampa Bay winning their second consecutive Stanley Cup. They do it on home ice. They get to celebrate with their family. They get to celebrate with their fans. It just, it, it seems kind of like the, uh, the perfect ending for them. I know that Tampa Bay has become one of the more uh, despised teams in the NHL because of, uh, you know, their legal because uh, it was legal. They didn't do anything officially wrong, uh, which leads me to believe, Frank, do you believe the NHL will tweak 
something regarding the playoffs and salary cap, whether it's, you know, you, you've got to be on the, uh, in, in one game in the regular season, or you can't play in the first series. Do you think there'll be any change or is this just one of those rare one-offs because it was a shortened season? I'd like to believe that there would be change so that no team could go do this moving forward. And I, I actually didn't follow up after asking the press com- the question in the press conference to Bill Daly and Gary Bettman, who kind of admonished my question saying that this has been around since 2005 and that's great. The provision has been there, but no one's ever done it in this kind of fashion. It's never really ever been done like this or anywhere close to it, let alone having a team that's $18 million over the cap. Uh, to me, it's a violation of the spirit of the rule. And I, I get exactly what you said, that Tampa didn't break any rules. And if I was Julian Breezeball, I'd be trying to do the same exact thing. But I don't know if it's a CBA issue that needs to be negotiated with the NHLPA or whether it's simply one of those changes that could be made uh, with the general managers and the board of governors and a vote. I, I think it may lean towards being a CBA issue, in which case – not going to be renegotiated probably for a while. So um, there, there's a chance that there is not a short term resolution in sight here. And, you know, I think moving forward, it, common sense should probably prevail here in the sense that the NHL should be really closely scrutinizing any time that this were to pop up again in the future. Oh, hundred percent. And the thing is, it's a really easy solution that it's they don't have to go full NHL offside and, and over um, value it and overreact to it. It's just a simple little tweak that really shouldn't like what put in like team. taxi squads or how do you, how well, do you have me, a cap in the playoffs and then allow for flexibility lineup wise? All, all I would do, Frank, is I would say this. So it doesn't change as you just have in the regular season, a player has to be on the, on the, for one game. So Kucherov, if he's on at one point in the season, then he's not going to be complete free for the uh, long-term IR. And if not, then he misses the first round of the playoffs. So if a player is on your roster for one game, then it doesn't matter. Right. And then you, you still have your, you know, if they teams like to expose in the playoffs and have extra bodies around, right. Or somebody even mentioned, I think it was Gord Miller that, you know, you can make it even your 20 man roster has to be cap compliant, which is a big, like it's a 22 or 23 man roster. And sometimes 24, when you consider guys on IR 25 in the regular season. So even, even making it just your, your game night roster in the playoffs has to be cap compliant. Like that's, that's pretty easy for most teams to adhere to. Yeah. I'd be fine with either one of those. Um, I'd like to see more than one game. I mean, again, my issue at, wasn't at all with Nikita Kucherov rehabbing. It's the fact that he played in September and waited until almost Christmas time to have surgery. That's where everyone kind of was missing the boat on the argument. Yeah, everyone was fair. so concerned about six weeks before the playoffs that he's skating again. I, that's not the timeline I'm, I'm worried about. It's what, what happens if he was, you know, rehabbing halfway through the season and on the ice again for the first time, as opposed to with six weeks to go would have changed the entire conversation. No, I, that's totally fair. It's a, it's completely fair. Hey, and by the way, have- by the way, before we get to our guest, um, I'm glad in a way that the Canadians won because it gives me an extra 48 hours to think about my con Smythe ballot and submit a new one with 10 minutes to go in game five, because it is a clinching game. Ooh, I'm really torn about Vasilevsky and Kucherov. Uh, you know, speaking of Kucherov and coming back, 
man, has he been good in the playoffs? And Vasilevsky has been too. Yeah, they've both been uh, really excellent. Uh, Kucherov has the chance to, you know, to, to join pretty exclusive club with uh, the great one and be only the second player ever to have two uh, 25 plus assists in a postseason. So, so if uh, you were voting, who is is Kucherov a slam dunk for you? Well, it's not a slam dunk, but man, I, like I'll say this: if see, here's what's if Vasilevsky, the fact that he in every game that they've clinched a series four in a row has got a shutout. Like I jokingly said, when Montreal scored tonight early, I was like, well, guess what? They're going to game five jokingly because Vasilevsky it's not a shutout. Right. Right. Yeah. So if he, if he gets another shutout for that, I, like he's been so good in, in a lot of those games, like to me, it's not as obvious that it's Kucherov. Cause I actually thought it was maybe Braden point and Vasilevsky before the Stanley cup final, but point, you know, has cooled off and, and hasn't been involved as much offensively. Still got so, 14 goals. It's insane. Yeah. But you know does he have one in this, in the final? Maybe one, right? And, but Kucherov only has eight, but he has three in the final. Yeah. And in addition to the fact that he has nine or 10 more points than anyone else, including yeah. point. Yeah. It's hard. Like it's, I can make it a strong argument for either. So it might even come down to, it sounds dumb, but who I think is having the best game in game five. Yeah. But that's, you're right. That's a lot of times what it does come down to. And if Vasilevsky lets in a few early, you know, and the lightning still win for whatever reason, voters do tend to vote that way, but this isn't even an award for the Stanley cup final MVP. Unlike, you know, the NBA finals MVP yeah. or the super bowl. It's, it's not one game or one series. It's the entirety of the playoffs. That's what makes this award unique. And so I don't know, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm like, I actually wrote in my ballot and then I, was ready to hit send and I switched it around. So I'm, I'm definitely pretty torn. Yeah, no, uh, that's totally valid. And Hey, I remember other years. Like I thought Phil Kessel should have won in 2016. Right. And I, I thought Jason Arnott easily could have won uh, when he scored the OT winner for New Jersey. He was, I voted for Phil years. Kessel that year. Yeah. So, um, you know what, when it's that close that I think that's, that's legit. I don't know if there's a wrong answer. There's just, I was going to say, answers. so you're saying I can't go wrong, huh? Well, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm giving you a little out, but I think it's really close actually. Yeah, I do. Now um, let's get to our, uh, our big guest today brought to you by jock mkt stay in the game if you haven't got involved in jock mkt you need to whether it's for hockey whether it's for golf for nba you want to play you want to have some fun go to jockmkt.com. it's a hybrid of fantasy sports and the stock market and you want to be wise just like in the stocks you want to buy low so you can sell high and you, you want to get the players you know what? Uh, Barkley Goudreau, for instance, when he scored yesterday, you think, man, this guy's stock's rising again. So before the game, you look at some guys who you think might have a big game and their stock will rise. Check it out at Jock MKT. Uh, use the promo code DFO20 to get a $20 deposit to start playing. Our next guest is legitimately one of my favorite human beings on the planet. You know him previously from his stops around the NHL covering the Colorado avalanche with the athletic where he has now since moved back to a familiar place, a guy that's lived in 33 different places in his 36 years on this planet. Now back in Seattle covering the Kraken for the athletic, the DFO rundown is pleased to welcome to the pod, Ryan S Clark. How you doing, Ryan? Uh, wondering how much I need to put you on the payroll with an introduction like that. I might need you as my hype man. Yeah. I'll send you the address when we're done. <laughs> <That worked. laughs> 
So Ryan, uh, got to ask you, you know, before we dive into all the specifics, what's it been like for you getting back to Seattle and, and digging in and covering this team and getting to know everyone in the organization? Being back here has been interesting just because the first time I was here, I covered college football and the Washington Huskies are such a well-known thing. There's a generational fandom that really extends throughout not just the state of Washington, but all the Pacific Northwest. Uh, whereas if you look at the Kraken, this has been a little bit of a different animal because you don't really know exactly how people are going to gravitate towards this team. But anytime you go out in public, it feels like you're going to see someone with a Kraken hat. Um, definitely not right now during summer, but a Kraken hoodie, a Kraken t-shirt, a Kraken tooth, whatever the case might be. And it's something people are genuinely excited for. And this is a city that it supports sports, but to see what it's going to look like in the fall, I mean, there's a reason why they, um, they've not had a hard time selling tickets or, or getting interest in this team. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out. So we're now just about two weeks from the expansion draft. How many mock drafts have you done? And what's it like to finally <laughs> dig in the, the last time and, and finally put one together that uh, will be your last and final call? Sure. Uh, well, the athletic, this is maybe the third one I've done. And in terms of just personally, there's maybe about 20 I've done just off to the side, um, just because it's interesting to kind of see what other options are out there. Not only that, but it helps you gain a feel for like, okay, what are some of the players that might be out there in terms of positions like top six, top four, what are goaltenders and the like? So, you know, you, you think about it, like you said, I mean, it's, it's extremely close. And as for how this whole thing is, is going to happen. It's just going to be really fascinating to see how it all works out, which again, we'll see probably with one more mock draft, potentially how, how, how it could all look, but either way, it, it's a team that it's going to be interesting to see what they do there and what they do in free agency and what they do with the NHL draft. So Ryan, there's, you know, when you do that many mocks, you're looking at every team and, and looking at, okay, defense forward goaltenders, and, and you're combining that with some conversations you've had. Has there been any team that you've made a significant change on who you think they're protecting? Not necessarily significant change because it seems like Jason, the math is always changing. So like, let's take a team like the Edmonton Oilers before a few days ago, no one really knew what was going to happen with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Does he resign? Does he go to free agency? If he goes to free agency, if you're the Kraken, you think you have a strong shot at being able to throw a very competitive offer at him. Of course, he resigns. And now you look at the math of a team like the Oilers, and clearly they're going to go 7-3-1. So as for defense, who are going to be the defensive options that are going to be available? As for forwards, could someone else be available that you thought they could be, but now because they're going to go with seven, it's more of a mystery. But then when you look at the rest of the landscape and you think about what else is out there, especially when you look at the fact that you've got to take three goaltenders, what's stopping someone like the Kraken from looking at a possibility like Stuart Skinner? If they want to get a young goaltender, they can put in the AHL to help him develop and see what he could be, assuming they want to go that route. So a team like that is an example. Another team would be Nashville because you look at their situation with all the defensemen. Yes, they make the Arvidsson trade, which – okay, that allows them to, to have one less thing to worry about because of the expansion draft. But again, there's still all sorts of variables in there. So there really hasn't been a team that you would say has had anything significant change. It's just, there's always been possibilities. It's just a matter of which one will present itself when the time comes. 
Yeah, I, I think the orders will actually protect Skinner. They're going to expose Miko Koskinen and, and Staylock and, you know, Koskinen. I'm sure they'd love Seattle to take his contract. Um, speaking of that, when you do your mocks, who are the big contracts? Because obviously, you know, you got to get to the floor. There's got to be some salaries that they take, you know, outside of, you know, Tampa Bay, which has a lot of options. Uh, who are some other teams that you think are viable big tickets that Seattle is going to be interested in? Philadelphia with James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, seven years, at, two years, excuse me, at $7 million left. And the reason why Van Riemsdyk is when you look at the market for top six forwards just solely through the expansion draft, it is few and far between as of now. Now, of course, the expectation is there could be teams that present certain options when the time comes. But when you look at that contract, yes, it's $7 million and it helps get you to the floor. But at the same time, when you look at his points per game, Van Riemsdyk, was having a career season. If this had been a full 82 game year, he would have set a career high in points. So if you're the Kraken, that is something to consider. And of course, if you're the Flyers, that's 7 million off the books that you can go use elsewhere. Another team that's going to be really intriguing to look at is going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins, just because what happens there, there's a thought that maybe someone like Jason Zucker and his cap hit, which is at least around five, between five and five, five off the top of my head, that that's a possibility. But then another team that's, even more interesting is going to be someone like the New York Islanders for this reason. Everybody knows the Islanders are facing a consecutive season where they've got to make some decisions with their cap. So what do they do? Could someone like a Nick Letty at five come off the board? Could someone like Jordan Everly at, at, at five come off the board? So that's where like you're seeing some of these names. And then of course there, there are some of the more obvious ones. Like, yes, everyone's talked about PK Saban and getting 9 million off the books in New Jersey, along with Brent Burns and his contract. In uh, San Jose, of course, the difference is PK Subban has one year left. Brent Burns, believe, would have four years left, it, minimum three, but between three and four. So, Ryan, I, I want to drill down on the goaltending position because that, to me, I think that's where you start, and then when you when you get your list uh, from teams that of the players that they're exposing, you start there with the goalies, and then you kind of fill in the rest of your roster. So if you were to pinpoint kind of, and I, and I've read through your last mock draft, where do you think the Kraken look for goaltending first? You know, I've circled a couple guys on my list. Uh, one is Jake Allen in Montreal, although there's some other attractive options there, you know, both at forward and defense. If you're looking at guys like uh, Ben Sherratt and Philip Deneau, another guy uh, potentially is Vancouver, uh, Braden Holpe, I think he's another guy that makes some sense. And then you probably want to get a young guy, as you've pointed out. Florida could have Chris Dreger in the mix. Where do you see the Kraken going? Let's start with what you just said about Jake Allen. I mean, what makes him so attractive other than the fact that, hey, there's an experienced goaltender that you know you can run in a tandem is that cap hit drops to 2875, which for any team in this flat cap era is, is saving like you would not believe, well, everybody can believe it because I mean, look at what's going on in the NHL at the moment. So Jake Allen is a name you look at. I mean, you mentioned Braden Holby. Of course, there's the questions about his consistency with the cap hits Does playing in Seattle. See you see him return to the Braden Holby. He was with, with the Capitals or, or, or what will he look like in string? That's a goaltender that from what I remember his save percentage has been below point nine hundred yep. the last two seasons. So like there is a concern there. You mentioned Chris Dreger. That that's another name. I mean, Anton Hudobin's another name that has certainly been floated out there. But like where that gets kind of interesting too is this: the Dallas Stars are a team in a situation with Ben Bishop, Jake Ettinger, that 
no one really knows what's going to happen. And that's what makes Hudobin maybe a bit more valuable because like, yes, you're going to play Ettinger, but like if you keep a tandem together, especially someone with Hudobin's experience, maybe that allows Dallas to feel a little bit more comfortable. And maybe that's side potential possibility. But then another team worth looking at, truthfully, Frank, would be the Minnesota Wild. So one of two possibilities could come there. One could be Cam Talbot. If you get him, you're looking at a goaltender whose cap hit, want to say, is around 3-3 three, three to 3-6. Three, and you have someone who, again, his experience that you, you've seen what he could do, especially look at the latter half of the season. But there is also Kapo Kakinen. And so when you look at him, and yes, his cap hit is more manageable, it's really a matter of what the wild feel is the best decision. Do you go with experience? Do you go with youth? But even then, when you look at the wild and all the possibilities that could be available – who knows? Maybe Matt Dumb is available. Maybe Carson Soucy is available. So it's like you said with Jake Allen, there are teams where you look at them and say a goaltender, you could grab them from there, but that's versus what? And again, to go back to the Islanders one more time, the interest, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Simeon Varlamov. Like, yes, you want to keep him, but at the same time, getting 5 million off the books, it's probably not going to hurt their situation. But again, what do you do to fill that void? Right. Well, they, I mean, that's when you go to Sorokin, right? Who played so well. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the Minnesota wild because it's more of a tandem. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Right. So that leads me to my next question. Um, cause I actually had written here, you know, why do you think Cam Talbot might be available in Minnesota? But that actually is sort of the perfect segue to which teams do you think are going to have real pressure points here? Um, if it's not, you know, trying to make a, a side deal with Seattle um, or teams that kind of are sitting at this very moment with two weeks to go saying, we're not really comfortable with the position that we're in the player that we might lose. So one team would be the Tampa Bay Lightning, just because everybody knows about their cap situations. They're going to be over the cap as of right now, if next season were to start once the Stanley Cup finals is over. And so if you are looking at them, if you're the Kraken, I mean, there's a bunch of different options. I mean, you could just go one route and say, we're going to take Cal foot. He's an RFA. Your financial problems are yours. Or if you want, you could range some sort of side deal where you could have a pressure point with them that makes them really, you know, have to pay a lot in order to clear up some cap space. Another team in that situation, of course, would be the Colorado avalanche. And so, yes, the thought is, whether it be someone like Jonas Donskoy, JT Comfort, Ryan Graves, those are all possibilities. But the reason Colorado is a team worth looking at is this. Gabriel Landeskog is an unrestricted free agent. Philip Grubauer, Vesna Trophy Files, is an unrestricted free agent. And North Trophy runner-up, Kale McCarr, is an RFA. Those are three players that you're going to have to pay. And, and with Grubauer and McCarr especially, McCarr you knew you were going to have to pay, and maybe the price goes up a little bit. Whereas with Grubauer, the fact that he was a Vesna finalist, that potentially changes the calculus. So like those are examples of like situations where there could be pressure points in the Minnesota Wild for the reasons we mentioned is, is another one. And so again, like what it comes back to is this. If you're the Kraken, like you want to be able to develop the sort of pressure that allows you to take advantage. But at the same time, like what is stopping teams, much like we saw with Nashville and, and, and the Kings with, with the Victor Arvidsson deal for saying, why not try to move them somewhere so that way it kind of takes that piece off the board and you don't lose something for nothing. I mean, we saw it the last expansion draft with Tampa and Montreal as well. Well, before Jay, you jump in, I just wanted to throw this in there too. And I was thinking about this as I was going through my own mock draft and prepping for our chat was, you know, if I'm 
the Kraken, for instance, and you mentioned Tampa Bay and I'm Ron Francis, I'm sitting there saying I'm taking Cal foot unless you convince me otherwise, because he does nothing to alleviate a lot of your cap concerns. And then on the flip side, if you're a GM of a team, you're trying to force Seattle to take, in my opinion, a lot of undesirable contracts. So if you're Pittsburgh, you're going to try and do everything you can to protect guys like Zach Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger, cheaper guys that are productive for you and try and leave as many guys exposed like a Jason Zucker that you mentioned to try and force Seattle into taking players like that. You can, but then it becomes a question of like how many teams are going to do that to the point where at what point, if you're the Kraken, you just try to sit there and say, okay, what is the best place that we can grab some? Because look, for example, we know bottom six forwards are going to be available in great supply. You know, players on contracts that teams are trying to move on from are going to be in great supply. So in some cases, it could be about asset management in the sense of like what makes sense. So let's take someone like Jason Zucker, like with him, you know that you have someone who is a consistent 20 goal scorer. And right now, when you look at what the expansion draft has out there, there's not a lot of players you could say that about beyond him, beyond Van Riemsdyk. And so while, yes, there's a price tag associated with it, at least you have value. But as far as what you do in those other places, like that's where it's going to get really, really challenging to see like what the Kraken do. Because again, like, it's sort of not necessarily the uncomfortable dance, but it's this idea that like on one hand, yes, the Kraken are trying to take an asset that a team may not want to lose, but on the other with the flat cap, you may not have a choice. And it's not like there's a whole bunch of trade partners that you can get, whether because of cap reasons or because of their own protection issues that are out there. So in some cases, people just might have to pay the price and go on about their business. You know what? There's a few teams that like the Carolina hurricanes have a legit issue. They're going to, they're going to lose a good player. I, I don't see any way that they can Don Waddell can manufacture them not to lose someone, uh, you know, even by exposing uh, Dougie Hamilton because he's a UFA. So technically Seattle could, could, uh, could claim him if they wanted, like when Vegas claimed Derek England and then signed him, even though they knew he wanted to go there. You look at that team and I look at their forward group up front Ryan. And when you've done your mock draft, because like, I look at Carolina's forwards and if they're only going to be able to protect for them, like it's a real tough, it's a tough call. So who do you have? Because Neckish really came on. He's a young guy. They really love him. He's, you know, he's great cap hit and obviously Sebastian Ajo, they're going to keep. And, you know, I think they're going to keep Tara Vinen. but then you got Troshek and you got Niedermeyer and you got stall. So two of those three are likely to be exposed. And now Stahl has the no movement clause. So I would guess then, you know, it might be uh, automatically need a rider and Trocheck. Aren't they just going to go seven, three and one though? Well, then you're going to expose Jake Bean or Brady Shea. Well, I think they both, I think that's exactly the play though, is that both of those guys are exposed and then okay. you're protecting your forwards. Oh, okay. So, so is that so what you have, Ryan? You think they're, you yeah. think they're going seven, three and one? So let yeah, so let's work with the hypothetical. They're going to go seven, three and one and the on forward out in this situation would be someone like Warren Fogle. Like Warren Fogle's legit middle six forward. He's someone who gives you size. He's someone that can, you know, work in that front. And when you look at what went wrong, well, I don't know if you say went wrong. I mean, Dave Hassel never had a looming record in Philadelphia. But at the same time, one of the concerns with Dave Hacksaw is the fact that his team were not the best at scoring at the net front and in those low areas, like we saw those first couple years. And with someone like Fogel, he could help with that. But on the flip side, like you said, if the, if the options, let's again take Dougie Hamilton out of the equation. 
if the options are Jake Bean or they're Brady Shea, it presents you one of two possibilities. With Brady Shea, you have someone where, first of all, there's cost control, there's cost certainty, there's an experience factor. And on top of that, you know what he is at this point. With Jake Bean, you're still figuring it out, but for the most part, whether you're the Hurricanes, the Kraken, or a team in need of a top-four defenseman or someone who can project as a top-four defenseman, there's a lot to like about Jake Bean just with the talent, the size, the potential, but more importantly, the fact that he is going to be under team control and he's still really young. And so this is where, like, if you are the Hurricanes, I mean, what is the best play? Like, is it to try to work a side deal? Is it just to say, you know what? If we lose someone, we lose someone. But either way, this is going to be a situation where they're not going to be the only team in this. Because as we were just talking about this, another team comes to mind in the Winnipeg Jets. The way it's looking with some models, maybe they end up losing Logan Stanley. Maybe they lose Mason Appleton. Like, that's just it. It's like teams are going to lose someone. It's just a matter of where do you think you can make up that loss, whether it's through your system through free agency or maybe even through a trade. If it, again, if that's an option. Yeah. See, Frank, you mentioned they'll just go seven and three. I look at teams and if you don't have depth, depth on defense and if Carolina loses Dougie Hamilton, which it looks like, and then they lose one of Shea or, or Bean, suddenly their really deep defense core looks a lot different. I just think it's easier to overcome losing a forward. And uh, I, I'm curious how teams approach this Ryan and, we saw Vegas really load up on a lot of defensemen uh, when it was their draft. What do you, what's your sense, Seattle? Do, do, like they must have a game plan. Do you, do you get a feel on what the crack and like, are they going heavy on defense? And do you think, so two-part question, do you think they will actually draft any UFAs? Sometimes I think it, let's just say this, with the UFA, it could just depend. On, on who the UFA is. If the UFA is someone like a Dougie Hamilton and he wants to be in Seattle where it looks like he's going to be able to get, if not top dollars close to one can get in this market, then sure, why not? In terms of what the plan could be, it appears like there's going to be so many potential top four defensemen that if you're the Kraken, it would make sense for you to load up on them because one, not only does it give you structure, two, you look at what has been the strength of Francis teams in Carolina along with what Haxtell did, not only in Philadelphia, but his time, as a Toronto, time in Toronto as an assistant, it was defense, but it's also this, if you're just looking at it from pure draft theory, it's the idea that you know that there are going to be teams who are going to be in need of defensemen, whether it's top four, top six, at some point, whether it's before the season, during the season, leading up to the deadline, whatever. And if you're the Kraken, why not take those players and use them as potential trade chips? Because here's the thing, and sorry to keep going back to the flat cap, but it is such a big deal. When you look at some of the prices that teams were able to charge at the deadline, whether it be with first round picks or whatever, if you're the Kraken or any team who has a chance to be in that situation, why wouldn't you be? So let's play the hypothetical that they are not a playoff contender, but they have pieces people want. What's stopping them from doing what some of the teams did at this past draft in terms of being able to be that third party that gives up cap space. Now, granted, we're getting a little further down the road, but still it appears defense is going to be the play there for all the reasons we just mentioned. See, it's interesting, Ryan, and I was thinking about this as I was going through the draft and, and just talking to some other teams around the league. Like, it's hilarious talking to some of these front offices the last couple of weeks. They're like, we, we just did, Frank, our 40th mock, you know, expansion draft <laughs> planning session. They're like, I can't believe how many times we're talking about the same guys on our list 
our, our plan hasn't changed from last week. Like, why are we doing this exercise again? And so they continue to work through it. And in conversations that I'm told GMs are having with Ron Francis, the message that's been relayed to them from Seattle has been, we're set on defense and we're good on goaltending, meaning they think they're going to have a lot of those options available based on their own mock drafts. But they see one of the holes in this expansion draft is getting goal scoring and getting forwards, especially some depth players. Do you see that as you've gone through some of your own mocks as that being a little bit of a potential concern? Yes, yes, yes. Because with the top six forward market, there's one of two ways you can truthfully look at it. The first is let's look at it through the expansion draft. There's some names that we've mentioned and beyond those names at that point, it kind of sort of gets into that. Maybe could they sort of situation. So let's take someone like Warren Fogle. Let's say Warren Fogle's available in Carolina. He's in middle. By the way, he's on our, he's on our daily faceoff.com trade targets list. So I would say he's probably eminently available. Yes. So assuming he's still there, because like you said, just there's always that possibility. What is stopping someone from saying, why couldn't he be a top six forward in another place? Yes. He's been proven as a middle six, but would he be a first line? Would he be a second line? So you're going to find players in those situations. Jonas Donskoy, assuming again, he's going to be available in Colorado would be another one. Someone that like you look at the year he's had, like, yes, he has played top six minutes in Colorado, but when everyone's healthy, he's more of a top nine sort of forward. So you see those options, but then when you look at what could go down in free agency, maybe that's where you try to go after someone like a Jaden Schwartz, Mike Hoffman's available. Like, that's just going to be it. I mean, Kyle Palmieri is another one. Like, you could potentially take your chances on what could go down in free agency. But like in some ways it's almost a little bit of a gamble because there might be teams that can find a way to clear cap space to keep someone that they want, or if they want to move on from them. There's no guaranteeing you're the only partner because I mean, let's face it. There are teams out there that have cap space and having a conversation with someone in the Kraken's front office, not that long ago, they were saying, all these teams you keep seeing with cap space, like, yeah, some of it might be ownership saying, hey, hold off. But some of it could just be the fact that they're building for the harvest. So when the time comes in the offseason, they are flexible to make a move. And one of those teams was the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, I think you're so right that we could see more trades this time around between teams as opposed to just being sort of pigeonholed into making a deal to get out of their situation with the expansion team, kind of like we saw Vegas extracted some extra value out last time around. But I I wanted to ask you, since you mentioned free agency, do you think the Kraken will double dip? And, and in that sense, meaning their, their exclusive window to talk to players that are free agents opens before the draft. And so what they could essentially do is have a conversation with a free agent and say, Hey, what do you think about, you know, X years at X dollars. And then instead of taking that player who they think they're going to sign anyway, they take another player from that team. And all of a sudden that team ends up losing two players. And that's the risk that teams have taken to this point because they haven't signed players that are pending free agents. So yes, they don't need to protect them, but that also means that Seattle has that window that they can use to talk to players. It's possible, but like you just said, there's a risk on the teams that currently have those players, but there's even a risk for the Kraken because like, let's use Carolina as a really good example. Let's say you're the Kraken 
and you say, Dougie Hamilton, we're going to talk to him, assuming he is still available. And you have some really good conversations to the point where you think, okay, when free agency gets here, we can go sign him. So you go tech, go say, let's say you go take Warren Fogle for the sake of this discussion. Who's to say that after the expansion draft, when the NHL draft rolls around, someone else does an outright trade for Dougie Hamilton, or there isn't some other move that could go down where the Hurricanes say, you know what, because Warren Fogle's gone, we are able to clear up a little bit of cap space. We can maybe offer and slightly pay you more than, than maybe what we initially thought. And then you just now lost the rights for Dougie Hamilton. So it's a risk either way. Yeah, but he also never needed to sign with you. If you took Dougie Hamilton in the draft, there's no guarantee that he signs with you anyway, and you could have wasted Absolutely. your pick. So at least on a guy like Fogel, for instance, you'd have the player under your control. Right, and that's just it. It's like you need to make sure that there is a lot of certainty here. And, like, that's just it. And it's one of those, like, it, it, it feels very strange to say, but, like, if you're going to negotiate with a UFA, you better be like, A, not only do we need to take you, but, homie, we need you to sign paperwork, like a contract or something else saying, like, the minute we take you, you are coming here, you are moving here, you are playing here, and we can get you on a plane to Seattle to have you be part of the expansion draft broadcast. Like, you are going to need some assurances. And if you are talking about UFAs, like – you got to be very careful, especially if it's a top six forward, because there are going to be teams who need that. Really, top six forwards are high end defensemen. If you're looking at those, like you better get some extreme assurances, and you better hope that, like, if this works out, they sign with you, because otherwise, you're going to be left kicking yourself. Let's get to two teams, uh, big markets, but at vastly different points. Uh, the Boston Bruins. Well, in, in all of your mock drafts, Ryan, and I've read them, like what's, what's the feel you have from the Bruins and then we'll go to Chicago and how much Duncan Keith potentially being traded or not prior to the expansion draft trades, what uh, changes, what, what Chicago does. Sure. With the Bruins, you get the feeling it's going to be the direction they go with one of those young defensemen, maybe Jeremy Lazan, Jakob Zaboral. Seems like those are the possibilities. Of course, people talk about the fact that there are two UFA goaltenders out there in Pukarask and Yaroslav Halak, but when you're looking at more certainty and control, it looks like it would, they would go the direction of those young defensemen because, again, you, you've seen them. They're a bit more of a known commodity. Clearly, goaltending is, is something you want, but you don't know what the situation is there with those defensemen. You've got control. Whereas if Chicago and Duncan Keith, I mean, who's to say really what could happen? Because if you are the Blackhawks and you move on from Duncan Keith, so your defenseman that you could protect, let's go through it as a group, would be like, would that be Connor Murphy, Dahan, and Nikita Zadorov? Yeah. Like, would that would those would that be the the collective three, or is there anyone else you think would make a a, a case for why you would protect that isn't already exempt? No, no, well, I you, think it's a, well. Keith has the no yeah, move, so no you have to get him to wave. But I'm saying, but if if Keith is gone in, in this, let's say Duncan Keith is gone in this situation, like let's he's say traded, he's okay. out of the picture, he's been traded, he's been moved. Like those three defensemen would be the ones that you would protect, and at that point, it really makes it complicated to see what the Kraken are going to take. Because, I mean, at this point, like, yes, you could take one of the Fords from Chicago who is available, but at the same time, like, maybe there's another direction you you go. In. And so, like, that's just it. It's like, 
Duncan Keith, which it's a good thing you brought it up. That's another example of how, like, you just don't know how the calculus is going to change. Because if he ends up staying and doesn't get moved, you're going to have a potential top four defenseman available. He gets moved. And again, depending upon what the return is for Duncan Keith, it could change the calculus considerably for the Kraken as it relates to the Blackhawks. Yeah, it's yeah that that one's kind of interesting to me. And don't the Blackhawks have to sign a goalie? Because right now, unless I'm missing something, they don't have a goalie who's signed who qualifies under the expansion guidelines. Correct. So here, let let's take a quick look right no, now. No, so, so I, I think I'm pretty sure any yeah, one of all those are UFAs. They're UFAs in 2022. Yeah. Oh, so, right. But sorry. right now they're all yeah, under yeah, contract. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. sorry. Neely is so, at one million. Saban's at eight fifty, and Lincoln is at yeah, eight hundred. So, the, so they're so all they, back they, for one more year. Yeah. If they wanted, obviously they would protect Lankinen, and then it's too bad. I, I read the, uh, the line wrong. I read the UFA, but I forgot they uh, changed the uh, the site at Puckpedia. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> w- one last one for me on this is when you look like certain teams are just. I wonder how many of them have learned from 2017 like we saw florida and minnesota and columbus are the easy examples of maybe overthinking it paying a price that ends up being two legit players just to protect one and it really screwed them over at the end of the day so do you do you get a sense that teams are gonna just be like we'll bite the bullet and take one and and then don't overthink it and don't overanalyze it or do you think some teams are still gonna you know fight their internal battle and end up, you know, giving Seattle two quality players. Before we answer that, going back to Chicago real quick, Riley Stimmon would be another player who would be available in terms of defenseman. He is eligible for the expansion yeah. draft. So you talk about another young defenseman with cost certainty. So just throwing that out there. The honest answer is who knows? And that's probably the worst answer to give on a podcast. But the reality is it's like truthfully, who knows? Because everyone's going to try to look for the best deal. And we've all heard the three of us have heard general managers in this league, whether it be publicly or private conversations say, we're not going to make the same mistakes as before that people are smarter. They're more aware. Well, the flat cap wasn't an issue last time. And there just might be situations where like for all your best laid plans, your best plan, your best move just might be, you have to part with someone. And then you try to make up that loss elsewhere, because again, everyone is going to be going through it. But again, like you said, like, does everybody want to be the repeat of that Columbus, Minnesota, Florida situation where you left, you're left looking back years later going was the better play to do this instead, instead of over leveraging. But again, there are some times when it works out sometimes when it doesn't. I can tell you for certain that as much as we talk about teams learning from the conversations that I've had with managers, they're all over the place. They're like, they are waffling so hard. Should I make this trade? Should I do this? You know, what do you think's happening with this team and their expansion list? Like there, you know, we're two weeks to go after having two calendar years to think about this and they're still not really sure what to do. So that leads me to believe that if I'm going to bet anything, it's on someone, one of those 30 teams making a similar type mistake uh, and compounding their error in this expansion draft. Uh, so Ryan, my question for you is uh, we'll do two more and then we'll get to rapid fire. If you could, Oh, we got all the time in the world. Yeah. So if it, and we appreciate your time. Um, if you could, you know, at this point, four years ago, we had a pretty good idea that Mark Andre Fleury was going to be the guy 
coming from Pittsburgh, you know, Matt Murray's coming off the Stanley cups and, you know, he's the younger guy and it's, it just seemed like it was going to be flurry. If you could give me one name that's going to be standing in Seattle on July 21st, who's the guy that you have on your list that's circled? Frank Sarah Valley from dailyspaceoff.com. Um, that's a really good question. JVR. That's that was going to be the one, James Van Riemsdyk, because it just. I'm just not convinced they let him let him be exposed. Like I think they're going to try and you know you could do everything you can, and you're like you put Nolan Patrick out there, see if they they blink on him and keep JVR protected and make you make you make Seattle change your list, for instance. And that's a very good point. So tell you let's let's take him off the board then. If not him. I think they're going to try. I, I think they're going to try to protect him. I don't know if they can, but he, he, he might be as good a name as any out there. Mark Giordano. Giordano is a really interesting one just because the cap hit is manageable. It's not like it's uncommon to see players at 37 still perform well at that age and not, and, and how do you put this unreal leader? Like you, he's the culture that you want to inject into your franchise and he's but, only got one year left on his deal. Well, and not only that, but again, when we talk about the players who we've seen over the years, like go long into their careers, like they've been players who've always been good. Like Justin Williams is always good. Jason Spector, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe. Like those have been players who've always been good. And you, when you look at Jordan, I mean, he is a former Norris trophy winner. So, I mean, look, he could very well be a possibility. Um, Chris Treger could be a possibility. So, we'll I think go with- Florida's done everything they can to try and dangle to Seattle. Hey, lock in this pick now. We'll even give you exclusive negotiating rights now if you want to trade for him. They're not biting yet. Well, because if you're the Kraken, hypothetically, you take that deal. If you're the Panthers, you're like, that's wonderful. So what do we get for giving you this certainty? Like, why not try to make that move? So I'll tell you what, let's go with, let's still say James Van Riemsdyk with the idea that that could change. Okay. And my last question before rapid fire is give me one sneaky name that you've clicked on and off in your mock drafts that you think makes it as a surprise exposed player for me, like, you know, I've been talking for a while, like Brent Burns, I think makes, so if you're San Jose, you got to get them to take one really tough contract and you're going to do everything that you can to do it. Who's someone that you have that ends up being exposed that not a lot of people are talking about. Burns was Burns is a really good pick. And if it's not Brent Burns, That's a really good one. See, the problem for the Sharks is... Maybe Alex Kalorn, maybe, maybe, because Tampa has got to find a way to clear cap space somehow. So maybe if not Kalorn, one of those forwards beyond that point, Stamkos, Kucherov Collective, maybe one of them, but potentially someone like an Alex Kalorn. I mean, we think Tyler Johnson is going to be available for that cap hit and just the inconsistencies he's had in a regular season. But 
tell you what, let's see, maybe someone like Kalorn, maybe, because again, they've got to move on from cap space some way, somehow down there. Well, how does Tampa avoid exposing Yanni Gord? Are they going, because if they, that means they have to expose then Ryan McDonough because Sergachev, Cernak and Hedman, right? And McDonough are the four and Sorelli, Kucherov, Point and Stamkos. Like that seems the obvious one. And so Yanni Gord, Kalorn, Palat, Johnson are all available. Like Yanni Gord, man, he is a really good player. Like if, if of those four, if they're I'm all- I'm exposing four, Yanni Gord all day. Like, I'm sorry. Guy, but that's the guy I would take of those four between Kalorn, Palat and um, Johnson. I would take Gord easily. He's well, a, I mean, let's- He's a really good player, but he's signed through 2025. He'll be in his mid thirties. Like, I'm just like, eh, like if you want to take Yanni Gord, you're making our life easy, I guess, if you're Tampa. You well, I mean, so? he, he, like, here's the thing. I mean, let's take those players. So let's start with Andre Palat, 30 years old. He can play on either wing. He makes 5.3 million and he's a UFA. Like we just talked about with Yanni Gord, 29, four more years at 5.166. Tyler Johnson's 30 three more years at 5 million. And then with Alex Kalorn, 31, two more years at 4.45. So when you just look at the pure economics of it, if you're Tampa, it would make sense for you, financially speaking, to part ways. To keep Kalorn. Exactly. And part with Palat, Gorder, Johnson, because they both, all three make 5 million at least. So economically speaking, that's the move that would, make a, a lot of sense again if you're the lightning yeah but they can't how do they protect them you, you gotta expose the defenseman then because they're not they're not going to expose sorelli right they're not going to expose no. point and kucherov and stamkos no so so, uh, so th- that again like that's where it gets so complicated so like if you're them headman you know you're protecting so what would be the consensus among the group beyond victor headman that you are going to protect i mean again he has an nmc so who would be the other two you protect from Tampa? Well, you're, you're, I think they want to protect McDonough, Cernak, and Sergachev. I don't think like Cernak. No, I think to... you're. I think you're letting Ryan McDonough go. That's, I think I, you're I, saying. I mentioned him today, but keep in mind, guys. I've heard a lot of scouts that th- like Tampa. Like people love young Cal Foot. There's yes, spot, they do. They really. That's, that's like exactly him. what I. That's the point that I made earlier, saying if I'm the Kraken. I'm telling Tampa and, and I'd follow through on it. I'm taking Cal foot unless you want to convince me otherwise and make it a really, really sweet deal that I can't turn down to take someone else that has a larger cap it because Cal foot is a good player and he's yeah. young. So for all and those right handed in six, three, he checked a lot of boxes. Yeah. And so for all those reasons, I'm saying like, I'm exposing Ryan McDonough. He's got, one, two, five more years at six, seven, five. And he's already, th- he turns. But he's a legit he's, yeah, player. He's, he's 32. He is a legit player and he's had a fantastic run, but you, you shake his hand on the way out and you say, Ryan, thank you for the two Stanley cups. Good luck in Seattle. Well then, Hey, then, then they can choose between McDonough, Gord, uh, Kalorn, right? Like that's the thing. Even if you expose McDonough, then you got to protect a uh, foot. Well, no, well, you could just do seven, three and one as well. No. Well, well, then you're going to protect Hedman, Sergachev, Cernak, and Foot, right? If you're exposing McDonough to protect Foot, you got to, you're still exposing the four forwards. That's what Tampa's in the world of hurt. Like they're, they're the team that I believe Tampa is going to be the most busy in trades. 
because they're going to have to trade guys anyway. We all know that we've all watched the salary cap this year that because of that, like if I'm an NHL team, like you're the Edmonton owners, if you have interest in Duncan Keith, you better be on the horn about Ryan McDonough. Now who knows if McDonough wants to go there. So that's the challenge, but my goodness, like Ryan McDonough at five years at 31, sign me up. Like there would be tons of teams willing to trade for him rather than just losing for nothing in the expansion draft. Cause you got to trade probably two players on top of the guy you lose in expansion to get under the cap next year. So you're su- are you suggesting that if they go with eight, well, they can't. Okay. So they go with eight skaters. So their four D would be foot Chernak, Sergachev and Hedman. And their four forwards would be Kucherov, Stamkos, Sorelli, and Point. Yes. Like, they're tough, man. Like, how does that? I mean, honestly, I don't think that leaves them in a world of hurt at all because all they're getting is one player. And any one of those players no. makes, makes big money. Yeah, so, no, and that's fair. So it alleviates also... your cap concern without ever, without, see, I think in an odd way that this expansion draft comes at a really fortuitous time for Tampa because. Last year, when we were thinking that they had to make yeah. all these salary cap moves, they got lucky with the Kucherov injury and they didn't have to do anything. If not, they would have had to use draft capital, meaning a first round pick in order to free up salary cap space. And this way around, they're guaranteed if you set it up the correct way to lose a player that has a big deal for nothing. Well, that's one. Yeah. But I'm just saying, do you, no one's considered it from that angle. Yeah. But losing Ryan McDonough for nothing, I think is awful asset management. Like Ryan McDonough, we know the importance of legit top defensemen. I, I, I know as if I'm Tampa, you're right, Frank, they are going to just want two cups. They're going to lose somebody. Take the 6.75 for a guy whose deal expires when he's 37 and say, thank you. I'm like, it's not a shot against Ryan McDonough. He's a fantastic player. He has five years left at six, seven, five. That's a huge burden off your chest and off your salary cap. Yeah. But it's also a huge hole to fill. Like I'm not sure foot can fill McDonough. Like, cause I think Tampa wants to win again next year. So it's, it's to me, it's fascinating. I think Tampa Bay, once this Stanley cup is over, Tampa Bay is going to be a big time player before the expansion draft. Just to throw these two things out there. One, welcome to what life is like on this end. And people are like, how do you, <laughs> like, how do you, how, like, how do you feel a day? And it's just like, it's literally sitting here and going through all these hypotheticals, but two, like to that point about losing McDonough, like, yes, you lose him. But the thing is, it's like, everyone speaks so much about youth in today's NHL and how important it is. And I mean, at some point, like you're going to have to play these guys or you're going to have to lose one of them. Like that is the reality. And again, the way Tampa drafts, who's to say that they won't have someone in their system who will come up in another year or two that you look at and go, Oh, what do you know? The Tampa Bay lightning found a way to get another talent in the fifth round. Who's going to be a legitimate NHL. You just don't know. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's, that's totally fair. Like I, I could see Tampa though, making a deal. Okay. We're going to uh, expose McDonough, but we'll do a side deal to keep him. And then they get to keep McDonough and they're going to trade their other guys. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I just, I think Ryan McDonough is extremely important to that team. Let's get to a uh, rapid fire now, Ryan. We really appreciate uh, your time as always. So here we go. There's only one rule, Ryan. You got to answer every question. All right. Okay. Okay. So 
Uh, as you've been doing your 30 plus mock drafts, what is your uh, cocktail of choice after the stressful one? Uh, Crystal light. Cause I don't drink alcohol. I've Crystal never light. had alcohol a day in my life. Buddy, that's good. But drink of choice doesn't have to be alcohol. So what flavor of Crystal light? Oh man, I am a sucker for raspberry. Um, really? Yeah. It like raspberry thumbs. So okay. you get that, that, yeah, it thumbs. So let's go with that. Okay. Um, do you drink pop? Yes. I thought you were going to say Chick-fil-A sweet tea. First of all, you're the one with the Chick-fil-A obsession. And yeah. two, I've never been a sweet tea guy. Just never have. Oh. I can tell you, honestly, I've never had Chick-a-fil. Chick- what did you just call it? Chick-a-fil. <laughs> Chick-fil-A? Yeah. No, I just call it Chick-a-fil. Yeah, it's so. Ryan. Like, so <laughs> when I talk to Ryan, we usually catch up once a week or so. And invariably the conversation starts every time about Chick-fil-A. Okay. Well, I always that's call not it my, that's not fun. my doing. That's not my doing. Okay. Ryan Frank uh, stunned me earlier that you've lived in 33 different places. No, I've Could moved you... 33 different times. That's oh, you've moved. Okay. Of those first, why, why move 33 times? My dad was military, my school and my career. So that's everything from including dorm room moves to cross country moves like Washington to Florida, Michigan to Florida, um, Maine to Florida, Texas to North Dakota. Yeah. So what is the longest time you've ever spent in one location? Four years at the university of Maine or probably I did it back. Yeah. High school and in middle school. Cause my dad retired in Florida. Okay. Um, and then I moved back here as an adult. So yeah, let's say either Florida or the university of Maine. Okay. So for somebody who moves around a lot, what is the best tip you will give to kids on how to make new friends? Don't, um, <laughs> no kidding. Um, <laughs> just put yourself out there. You never know. I mean, some people are really cool. Some people, aren't, I mean, no matter how hard you try, you're always going to have people who just may not be a fan of who you are, uh, without giving you a chance, but no, just try. You never know. If you could live in one place in the U S where and why I'm already here. Seattle. Yeah. Okay. yeah. My wife and I, we loved it when we lived here the first time. And if it wasn't Seattle, it would probably be a three-way tie between if I wasn't married, New York, because as much as my wife says she could handle New York, she could not handle New York, Philadelphia, or um, honestly, maybe the Bay Area. Okay. But, but I have a caveat to that question, though, because Ryan loves Canada. He lived on the border and went there a lot. Would you live in the U.S. or would you live in Canada? If you could pick. Is the border open or closed right, in this, right now in this situation? <laughs> It's open. Um, I think probably Canada because of what we do for a living. Um, so yeah, probably, but I've got no problem living here either. Um, I don't know. I flip a coin. All right. What? Okay. So a guy who's moved around a lot, what is your favorite team? Do you have a team you root for? No, no, because I think with what we do for a living, it's important to be objective. So I don't cheer for any team. I don't cheer for any players. Um, 
Like I don't cheer for anything in any North American sports league. Cause you just never know what you could cover. Like fandom does not exist with me, but you're a football fan though in the premier league, right? Yeah. I mean, like I will watch European soccer. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I watched the premier league, Liga, La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, the champions league. Like I watch all of that, but even then, like as I've gotten older, it's become more about like, I follow clubs and players just to see more how they're built. But like, for example, if two teams are playing in the champions league, like we saw with Liverpool and excuse me, with Chelsea and Man City, like I'm not going to sit there and be happy or depressed whoever wins or loses. It's just more enjoyable because it's kind of like, what's the next step? How did they get here? So on and so forth. Should the NHL as a European soccer fan, do you think if the NHL had two divisions and they could relegate teams, it would be better for the league? Probably not. Just because like with the relegation system, it's something that's been around for centuries, well, not centuries. I mean, some places they've been playing for a while, but let's say several decades. So like you automatically have an ingrained built-in structure, whereas if you suddenly change that, in the NHL or any North American sport, it would be super awkward. So for now, let's say no. Okay. Well, it would create a lot of chaos. Uh, Ryan, we really appreciate it. Um, between now and the 21st, how many more mock drafts are you going to publish? How many more are you going to do on your own? One to publish. And as far as doing my own, let's say maybe 10, just because again, it's like. Sucker for punishment. You- no, it's not so much that as much as it is like when you go on podcasts like this or you go on radio or you're writing, you just want to make sure like, have you looked at every potential angle? Have you explored every possibility? Cause you just never want to be that person who all of a sudden the day comes, something happens and you're like, how did I not see that? So yeah, that's, that's probably it. Ryan, really appreciate your time. Awesome. Hey, no stuff, Thanks Ryan. for having me. Frank, that was awesome, man. And it was funny listening to Ryan because you and I are debating in real time about Tampa Bay. And and I would think organizations are going to have that debate for anybody who makes a mock draft. You can write it down. Well, geez, what about this one? Because I think a lot of people are like, well, why would they protect Cal Foote? He's never played. Well, when you can, you know, you make a valid argument about salary cap space and and everything else. It's, it's fascinating to see for me, you know, how many of those guys, because Goudreau and Coleman are UFAs. They're probably going to lose those guys. They can't sign them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're a really good team who, who might lose potentially four or five really good players just to get under the salary cap for next year. Well, I mean, but you got two Stanley Cups. So, yes, no, it's you, a good problem with it. Um, yeah. Likely two Stanley Cups, by the way. Um, but I thought another point that Ryan made was, was well made in that take that Dun- Duncan Keith potential trade, for instance all of a sudden, if you not only take him off of the Chicago Blackhawks list, the part that we have to keep in mind is whatever pieces Chicago gets back in the deal that they then would also have to protect. So there's, there's definitely some calculus involved that is changing on the fly that Seattle is going to have to remain nimble sort of right up until that window closes where there's a trade freeze in effect. And and then they finally have an idea of what they're looking at. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. Of course, the uh, the lists have to be in on the 17th. Then Seattle gets the opportunity to talk to team or fewer agents on the 18th. And then, of course, the draft goes down on the 21st. It should be fun. And make no mistake, Frank, it is going to be two Stanley Cups. Montreal is not winning four straight against Tampa Bay. That you can book that and lock it in, guaranteed. Uh, it's be, it'll be a fun week, Frank. Uh, enjoy the uh, the Stanley Cup final, and we'll talk to you on Friday. 
Yeah, thanks to Ryan Clark as well. One of the great people in hockey. So glad he's getting a chance to cover the NHL on a full-time basis. That man has, as you mentioned, moved around a lot, has always wanted to be a hockey writer from his stops covering college football everywhere else and to make it back and be in a city where he's comfortable in Seattle. A-plus guy. Glad to have him on. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.